0: Hello, and welcome to season four of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard, pivoted out of campus-based positions, hold senior level positions in organizations, and love it. What started as an idea that they thought might benefit a few is clearly filling a need across the nation with education professionals during the Great Resignation. Jamie and Tom are excited to be back for another season with over 25,000 downloads across our first three seasons. So have a seat or take a walk. However you listen to podcasts and get ready for ideas and inspiration. And if you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating.
1: Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman.
2: And I'm Tom Stutter.
1: And we are really excited today to have Dan Weir join us. He is going to be sharing all of the things about his pivot from his campus-based position into where he is today. And he happens to be doing a role at a company that we actually, as, as uh, consultants, get a lot of questions about. So I'm not going to spoil it for, for folks I'm actually just going to let you share with us. So, Dan, if you could kick us off by saying hello to everyone and then also then sharing what is it that you did when you were working in campus-based positions and what have you pivoted to?
3: Yeah, thanks for inviting me on, Jamie and Tom. It's been, it's great to be here and talking about my pivot. So, I was working in orientation before I pivoted out of edu so doing all the programming for orientation and helping students as they transition to campus and I pivoted out to consulting at Deloitte so one of the big four consulting financial firms and so it was kind of a a big pivot but it's so exciting
1: that's exciting. Well, I mean, what inspired if you can talk a little bit that, what inspired you to to leave the orientation land that is I know so close to my heart and Tom's heart. And then what was the sort of inspiration to move into the the training role you're in?
3: Yeah, so I I really liked orientation. I loved what I was doing. I had a great supervisor, you know, every and great coworkers. So all of that was my positive for everything that I was doing. But, you know, I felt that pressure of higher education where after a certain amount of years, you know, it was like, you need to move up, you need to move on, you need to move to a different university or institution. And, you know, I liked Madison. And so I started doing searching for my next role. I was doing higher ed searching at the time. And I started kind of tossing in here and there to private and, you know, things outside of higher ed. And I knew of Deloitte from some people that I went to college with who applied to Deloitte and a friend worked in the college of business and, you know, would talk about Deloitte. And I think we had a conference room that was sponsored by Deloitte at my undergrad. And so I knew of it. I knew of only one side of it. And that was the financial side, the audit, the tax side. And I saw when my partner and I decided to relocate we wanted to go to somewhere warm and I saw Deloitte had a role in training design and delivery and being a consultant in that area and so I applied to it and I heard nothing for a while and then all of a sudden it popped up as having a conversation with the recruiter and I ended up there yeah so I didn't really mean to pivot out, but then it just it happened as I started looking because I wasn't really getting any traction in higher ed. And lo and behold, it has been a, a great transition for me.
2: I I love that because so many of our listeners are making the attentional pivot, right? They're they're not happy in their current role or they don't want to move up, or whatever the case may be. And so they they make that active determination to switch. And and for you, you know, it was sort of not necessarily by happenstance, but it just sort of worked out that, you know, you were searching and, and you were throwing in these roles into the into the into the basket and and it and it worked out. So it's 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 a it's a different story than than what we've heard before. And so I appreciate that so much. And of course, as Jamie said, yes, orientation near and dear to my heart. I think probably for the same reason I I didn't want to leave where I was. I loved doing orientation when I was at the University of Southern California. It was, by far one of my favorite, if it was actually my favorite role in higher education, but you're right. Like I felt the pressure to move up and move on. And then ultimately I made the wrong decisions, you know, when I left. And so hence I pivoted. So appreciate your story. Can you talk a little bit about more of your role at Deloitte, what it is that you do and, you know, what does your day-to-day look like? and, and, what makes you successful in that role for somebody who might be interested in, in going into a role like yours, whether it's a Deloitte or not, you know, what, what sort of things are important for them to know and what things made you successful in doing what it is that you do?
3: Yeah. So my role is in what they call the training hub in one of the U S delivery centers at Deloitte. And there's three of them. And one is in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. One is in Lake Mary, Florida and the others in Gilbert, Arizona. So, so we got to pick. That was one of the things I got to pick where I wanted to live in one of those three areas, which was kind of exciting.
2: Well, I can uh, tell you, but, having lived in, in the Gilbert, Arizona area, that would have been the hottest location for you to choose yeah, for sure. Yes,
3: <laughs> for sure it was. And I definitely didn't want snow. So it was either the Lake Mary Orlando area or Gilbert. But my role is to work with companies or the federal government, state, local, higher education to do training, design, and delivery. So we will be taking software or products that we've developed for companies and we do training for their employees or for even outsourced employees who are helping and assisting companies. Um, So there's two areas. You can go into the commercial side or the other side, which is they call the government and public services area, and that's where I am. So I'm in, I do government. Uh, my previous job was with this project, I was with the state government, and we were doing some work to help onboard additional staff to help this department at a state government process applications and such that people were filling out. So that was so different and that's kind of one of the unique parts of this role is as a consultant, you're really project based. So you'll get staffed onto a project, you'll work that project, it could be a short project for a few months, it could be a project for half a year, it could be a project where some are on their projects that I know for over a year, some are three, four years long. So it it, it just depends on what you're doing in the area. And so The day-to-day looks like you just focusing on this project and you work the project based off of billable hours. If by chance you get a short project, like I had a short project for my first one and I rolled off at the end of April. And then when you're not on a project They call, they say that you're on the bench. And so you're working on upskilling and taking trainings, connecting with other colleagues at the company, networking. You're building your brand and you're building, you know, your career as you want it. So you really get to take time to think about what are the goals you want to do? What do you want to work on? What projects are you interested in? And you try and find those people and connect with them to get staffed on a different project, which is also super exciting. So the day to day basis of what I do is very different. And depending on what you get, whether you're on a project or not, another thing that we always have to do is we are on firm initiatives. So instead of calling a company, we call it a firm. So the firm initiative is you giving back to the company, whether you are helping onboard new people, whether you're helping with recruitment whether you're starting your own initiative, which is super exciting. So in the Delivery Center, we actually have a lot of educators and teachers from you know, K-12 through higher ed. And we actually have what's called teacher talks. And so every month, all of us educators get together and we do our own professional development within group. So it really helps bind that educator community together. And it's super neat.
2: Yeah, that's fascinating. I I I love the fact that one, all the teachers and the higher ed professionals get together. I think that that's great. I'm also just sort of fascinated by the role, right? Because like when I saw your LinkedIn profile and it said training and, and development, you know, usually I think of two different things, like right. I think of either their internal training for their employees or their training customers. But you're sort of in this unique where you're not training employees, you're sort of training customers, but you're not really training customers because you're training the staff at the cus at sort of your either customers or partners, which is a really unique way to sort of to to maintain a link to education, but not necessarily be in education. So I'm fascinated by that.
3: Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest shocks for me when I went into the role as I pivoted out of education. I had that same idea of, oh, are we training internally or are we training customers? And it was so interesting when I first got on my project and it was like. Oh, we're onboarding all of these staff members who are contracted employees at the state in department, and it was like, oh, we're training people to run all these software systems. I was like, okay, and so it was a big mind shift unto itself to think of training in that whole new light. Which you know, I've taken, I've done many different trainings and taken certificates. You know, as every higher ed person does, they do their continuing ed stuff and you know, I was like, this, this never went over, you know, no one ever went over this for our training certificates that we took.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a really fascinating thing. And I've personally had a bit of exposure to Deloitte. One of the places I worked has actually contracted with them. And I've always kind of wondered, I still wonder, so is there like, do they like maintain like a list of all of the trainers capabilities and they just sort of like assess, um, you know, what the needs are for each project and bring you in that way. And you just keep adding to it. You're not in your head. Yeah. They keep adding that capability as you upskill.
3: Yeah. So there's two different levels of consultants at Deloitte. So you have your core consultants is what they call it. So there's core and that's your typical traveling 80% of the time consultant. It's a little bit less now because of the pandemic. They've kind of slowed some of that right now, just in this current time, and then there's consultants like me who's in the, our delivery centers and I don't really travel that much. It's like up to 10% of my time I could be traveling. So we have two kind of different areas with the consulting. And so in my area, we have a resource manager and her job is to do exactly what you say is to know all of the staff in the different areas that she's responsible for. And she helps staff you on projects that are aligned to your strengths and what you're interested in. But as, as well as, you know, if she thinks it's something new for you, but you would be able to handle it, she'll do it. So for me, I had I, my first project got me staffed in a Salesforce role. And I hadn't really used Salesforce before, but it was something that she knew I would be able to accelerate in. And she, assigned me to that project. And, you know, I took off with it.
1: Excellent. Well, I think people will love to learn sort of how, what advice do you have? You know, I know one of the things that folks that you were recommended to us was because you, you know, are a newer ish professional. We've had a lot of seasoned professionals on the, the show. So it's cool to hear from a newer professional Um, advice that you have on sort of how to pivot and the things that you really need to be successful. So what would be kind of your elevator pitch to someone who is looking to make their pivot? I think,
3: you know, I was reflecting on this as I was thinking about it before we had our discussion today. It is a process, just like, you know, as I was telling the students during orientation about like, it's a process to come in and like, you're going to have a whole bunch of emotions. Like, the emotions are real pivoting out of education. I remember the first week that I started and it was so fast paced that I was like, what did I get myself into? And everyone at the company described it just like the fire hose being turned on. And it truly was because we were doing onboarding, we had to do this tracking and trading independence things, all these government mandated trainings that you had to do. And it was just like getting this done in a week. And I think I broke down crying like two times cause I was just so unsure of myself because it was, it was we were going lightning speed through the first week. And then I was staffed on my second week. And so it was like, boom, you're already in doing a project working with clients. And so that pace was so different that I think about it as all of the emotions that I have. And so I think, you know, everything that I was telling students, I had to retell myself, which was also different. And I think that's something that my campus-based role really taught me was We were teaching our students resiliency, and I had to remind myself to be that resilient person as well. And it's funny because I have a partner who also works in higher ed, and he would remind me the same things. He'd be like, What did you used to tell your students? And I was like, Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, and, And sometimes even those emotions still pop up today, you know, as I ended with my project, it was. A whole bunch of different emotions because it was like, oh, I'm transitioning to being on the bench and I'm not sure what this really means as a new staff member. But, you know, everyone at the company is there to help you. And it's great because we have, you have your project managers from the project you're on and they become such great resources to you and all the additional professionals that you meet and make connections with. But you also have a coach at the company who helps you and is kind of like us a person that like kind of supervises you and does your end of the year evaluation. And then you have an onboarding advisor who helped you onboard and sticks with you through your first year. So you have all these people around you. And it was so nice because you get to turn to those people and ask them all the questions that you're just like, is this normal of what's happening? Is this a normal feeling that I should be having? And so it was great to, Realize you have all those support people around you too.
1: Yeah. It sounds too like your experience. Um, a lot of people experience feeling imposter syndrome when they, they do a pivot, right? Like even when it comes to applying for jobs, I know I've experienced that, and I know the clients I've worked with are like. This looks interesting but I've never managed a project and I'm a project and I'm like yes you have managed a project are you kidding me you know and we talked through that but a job like the one that you you have I I think that just really I imagine exacerbates you know a, a sort of imposter syndrome feeling but it's great to hear that you have those support mechanisms in the folks around you both at home but also in the company that's a that's a really cool like perk. I would say like, we don't get that in higher ed. You don't get a coach.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think the support that's around you is amazing. And not only your coaches there, but you meet all these higher ups, whether they're principals or managing directors, and they all have amazing open door policies that you get to ask them any question or just step in or zoom meetings. Cause um, we're hybrid company, but yeah, I think, like you said, the imposter syndrome is very was very real. It still is at times because, you know, Deloitte is one of the big four um, when it comes to financial tax consulting, and so I think I really felt that pressure as well because I knew this was. A very reputable company you know people when you see that name on the resume, they think a certain high level skill of that person and so I also felt that pressure and i I definitely put it on myself as I was in the role as I still am in the role you know and so yeah that imposter syndrome it's it's real but yeah the support is amazing that really helps
2: I love hearing that about about Deloitte, but I love hearing that about sort of any company and, and the reminder is that that support systems do exist outside of higher education. I think a lot of us in higher education, we sort of like the, I'm going to say this and I hope I don't offend anybody, we sort of like the bubble, right? Like the bubble of higher ed feels safe, you know, higher ed tends to be more inclusive, it tends to be more accepting, it tends to be a lot of things that we sort of get nervous about if we make a pivot outside of that bubble, or is that going to exist? And, and and at least at Deloitte, it does. I know it does where I work. I think it it does where Jamie works. And you see that more and more in the corporate environment. You know, the, the one area that I've always said that, that higher ed does a much better job at corporate is sort of that that bubble effect, right? You feel like a family. You feel accepted. You feel apart. And I think, though, corporate is catching up to that. And so I really appreciate the story um, and your experiences, Dan. They They certainly... I think will resonate with a lot of folks who are listening to our podcast. So thank you so much. We Really appreciate it. Thanks to all of our listeners out there. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Dan Weir, who taught us that his name rhymes with beer and that's how to remember it. So Dan, not to add that to the, to the outro here, but I thought that that was appropriate to our listeners. Check back next week for
0: another episode of Pivoting Out of EDU. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. In addition to our podcast, we offer various ways to get support as you work through your career transition, including digital resources, one-to-one consulting, group workshops, and cohort-based blended learning experiences. For more information about these services and show notes, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. And if you haven't done so already, join our LinkedIn group called EDU Pivoters, where we share job opportunities and foster engagement between those who have pivoted and those who want to pivot.